This is AudibleGate. The journey to a fair deal for authors and narrators, with your hosts, Jacob and Jason. Bringing you the real facts and people behind this truly mind-blowing cluster Then Bezos asked and postulated in 2017. Is your work depriving you of energy or is your work generating energy for you? You could be out of work, depressed and demoralized about your work situation, and your family wouldn't want to be anywhere near you. And authors and narrators, those seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, were shocked, dismayed, and traumatized by their missing royalties. They had created education and entertainment, books bearing ideas according to their kinds, and voices giving life to their words. And they felt they'd been victims of theft. And Bezos saw that it was good, and not only for him. I've never had a problem, and I think it's because both sides of my life give me energy. That's what I would recommend, and that's what I do recommend to interns and execs. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Hashtag AudibleGate podcast. My name is Jason Lasky, and Jacob Daniels, my British brother-in-arms, my drier, wittier, and sexier half, has the week off since he nobly pulled double duty in my absence for episode two with Colleen Cross, the Canadian accountant turned writer turned money hunter who, after some thorough research into Audible's missing sales debacle, owing to a major glitch back in October 2020, uncovered the messy math that appears to grossly favor Amazon's and Audible's coffers and has left authors and narrators struggling to understand why their royalty payments are severely lacking. You can check out episodes one and two on your favorite podcast app. This week's episode, Harmonious Rocket Science, features Mr. Noel Eastwood, psychologist, author, narrator, and Australian. And he's going to chat with us about his creative spirit, his take on Mr. Bezos's take on work-life harmony, and why there's strength in knowing that many people feel as shitty as you do when the fruit of your labors has been systematically pilfered from your pockets. Hey, Noel, how are you doing? I'm, I'm doing great, mate. Thank you very much. You have a psychology background. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Like what's your, what's your practice been like, for example? Okay, so we'll jump straight into the practice. I'll talk about my background first. I was a teacher, special education teacher with disabled children, transferred down to primary school. And then I went back to university, got my degree, did my extra studies, came back as a school counsellor, which is like a school psychologist, and then went into private practice. All of those experiences have been profoundly useful to me as a therapist. My speciality is in trauma and, you know, I use a lot of tools which are based around psychotherapy, clinical hypnotherapy, meditation and working on things from the inside. Where I found myself eventually is in Canberra, which was actually Mm -hmm. basically founded as a public service city. And so I see a lot of hierarchical workplace bullying. And what I'm seeing with this Audible Gate thing is echoed right across the spectrum. And that's what I've spent a lot of time working. Not with the, not with the workplace, uh, I call them workplace psychopaths. People can play around with that word themselves. But I work with the victims. And so this is quite relevant, I think. And so your audiobook journey started about, was it 
1995 was my first book, so I was still at university. Okay. I was doing a that was doing my psychology degree. I, I took a class. I did the arts branch rather than science mm-hmm. because science can be very boring. And on the arts side, I could do a lot of a lot of English. And the subject that I took was an introduction to publishing. By the end of the semester, I was the only one to actually publish anything. I published a little book, a hundred page booklet on self hypnosis. And uh, of course, I got my got my distinction. So a friend of mine uh, had a book that I wanted to publish. He published it for me. And so that was the start of it. Then I buried myself in my psychology practice. I also had my own clinical hypnotherapy practice, psychotherapy practice on the side right. while I was studying, while I was teaching. Mm-hmm. I'd been doing, you know, I've had, you know, two or three jobs all the time running all synchronously. So I picked it back up. In uh, 2015, when I decided to get back into my, let me say, astrology, tarot, and all those strange things that I'd been doing on the side. And so that was basically the real start of my narrating and uh, writing. And to date, you have nine books published and eight are in audiobook form. And how many of those did you narrate yourself? Yeah, four out of eight. So four I've had professionally narrated by Jonathan Johns in A Cornwall Lad, and he he adds the voices for the, it's called The Fool's Journey Through the Tarot. So it's like a, a fiction, non-fiction, if people can appreciate the tarot, we believe is uh, based on something that's not necessarily fiction. But it's a, it's a journey of the fool through the tarot, so each card becomes a chapter. But because there are voices, I can't do voices. I, I can do my own voice. So for non-fiction... Fine, I can just <laughs> read it. Right, but to add voices—that's that takes skill. And so I thought, well, bite the bullet and get a professional. And uh, I'm so appreciative of, of narrators. You guys do magic. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're all storytellers, and we just we have our roles to play, right? So, how much of your let's say income is based on these audiobooks? Oh, cripes. Um, 40% is audio income from my audio books. But over the past 18 months, that's actually dropped, even though I've added another four books, which is, that is crazy. And my, my income from my audio books should be around 60%. If it followed the, the path, the trajectory that it was taking 18 months ago, um, yeah, easily 60%. If that much of your income was being generated by audiobook sales, then the reasonable conclusion is that your audiobooks were selling quite well. They were. Yeah, that's why I produced um, another four books. I thought with with the way things were going, I can invest another large sum of money in professional narration. Mm -hmm. And then I can actually start having some decent holidays and enjoy my my retirement. That's what the goal was. Right. But then the 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 butt fell out of it, and the the glitch happened. Right. And yeah, so we're, we're all now fighting to have our our rights returned to us. Yeah. You're a writer, a published writer, a narrator, producer of your own work, and you've paid other people handsome sums of money to help bring your work to life. And you have your your audience. You have your followers. Yeah. Now, at what point did you start experiencing whatever you experienced and then stopped and analyzed what was going on wearing the psychologist's hat. What did you go through? 
So last year, I worked with my editor. We, you know, we we worked very solid on um, the series, and at the same time, you know, my plan was that we'll edit three these three books. Almost brings us to the completion of the series of the Fool's Journey, and then I'll, I'll you know, have them produced uh, as audio books towards the end of the year, which is what I did. But through that process, I'm still looking at those numbers and shaking my head, going. There's something wrong. You know, what have I done as, a, as an author that's made the market turn away from me? So, you know, I'm, I'm as human as everybody else. I have the same problems as the, the clients that I've worked with. And, you know, being a psychologist doesn't make you immune to everybody else's problems. Sure. It, in fact, it sort of amplifies it because you're, a, you're aware of what's actually happening. You know, there's, there's no immunity bestowed upon a doctor to be healthy or their children are healthy. You know, it just doesn't happen like that. So I'm looking at my numbers and I'm starting to feel depressed. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I retired, I think, about four years ago. And my plan was that I would just work solidly on my books, on my writing, my publishing, my audio books, and, you know, eventually I'll be able to sort of sit back and have a, a passively generated income coming right. in that I wouldn't have to work so hard. You know, I, I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth. I've had to work for everything that I've got. So I was looking forward to this period of my life. And two years ago, 18 months ago, things were looking good. And uh, so, you know, th- there was a period where I was as flat as a tin can can get, where I'm thinking, what am I going to do? Even up until a month or two ago before I found um, Susan May and Colleen's work on the Audible Gate stuff, I'm even thinking, do do I need to drop this writing gig Hmm. and generate income some other way? Like I wrote in my article, I can't eat beans and potatoes forever. Like it's all right to save up some money and and do it that way. But there comes a time where, you know, you can only tighten that belt so much. What were some of the physical symptoms that you started to develop uh, as this was going on, as well as your connectivity, your relationship with your family and, and friends, on top of the pandemic and everything going on, which was already such an isolating factor? How did this then as you use the word amplify it before to talk about your knowledge of psychology and how things were affecting you and understanding what was happening, which is even making it worse in your particular experience. What were some of the things that you were experiencing? I am fortunate that I've been uh, doing Tai Chi and Taoist meditation, self-hypnosis, all those things for like 40 years. So I do have a buffer. Okay. So when I'm flat and and crashing, I will take myself off and and meditate. I'll process things. You know, I've, I've got a, a number of tools in my kit bag that mm-hmm. that I've used for a very long time, and I, I I do a lot of dream work. So I I do a lot of insightful work to look at. You know, where am I going? I set my goals. Everything that I teach my clients, right. I try to do myself. Right. Um, but it's, it still doesn't stop you from feeling that sense of despair that you've come so far and there's that brick wall. Mm. You hit the brick wall and what, what can you do? You know, you can't go around it. It goes too far. You can't go under it. You can't go over it. Right. So, you know, in Taoist terms, you just got to slow things down and just see how things ride out. And that's when I thought, well, okay, well, I'm not getting any traction doing this myself. I went searching for authors of uh, audiobooks. Are they having the same problems that I'm discovering? Mm-hmm. And sure enough, 
there's worms in the woodwork. <laughs> My word, there's heaps out there. It's only once we start talking about it that you discover how bad the worms are, that the barnacles in the ship, because the, the, the audiobook industry ship is sinking for independent authors mm. and, and independent narrators. It is sinking. And we, writers and narrators, like, you know, looking at your, um, your studio there and yep. looking at my little office here, we're, we're, we work in isolation. We don't talk a lot with each other. And it's only when we get on the forums that we discover that other people are having the same problems as we are. And that's when we've, we've found out that Audible are doing things that they should not be doing. So in, in terms of physical symptoms, fatigue is a big one. Sure. You know, when, when people get depressed, they, they just fall flat. And exhaustion, creativity, wow. So like any other performer or artist or, or you know, sports performer, when, when you're in the zone, you're phenomenally creative. I will dream sentences, paragraphs, chapters. I, I will dream them and I can't, wake up, I can't wait to get out of bed in the morning. I'll be up before dawn to smash out uh, what I dreamt. But mm. along comes this, uh, you know, this glitch and that disappears. You and trying to find what well, they call it writer's block, but it, it's it's a little bit more complicated than just having a block. It's a complete mm-hmm. psychological, and you know we know that the psychology uh, affects our neurobiology, our immune system, and our physical body. It affects our yeah. uh, brain waves, our attention, our coping strategies. So when when you can't create like you normally can, you know that you can do it, and then you start to doubt yourself. And mm-hmm. then and then that just makes it worse. You know, I've lost the edge. And when, when you believe that, then you just can't write. I couldn't even sit at the computer and, and put out a sentence. I would yeah. pick up my notepads. I've got notepads everywhere and there's scribble all sure. over them. I couldn't even pick up a notepad and scribble out what what I would put in the next chapter. I couldn't even mm. do the next chapter. It's that level of doubt and loss of creativity. And it's not just depression. Like I know depression. I've worked with depression. I've had depression. You know, depression mm-hmm. is like the common cold for humans. Depression and anxiety, doubt, all of those things, everybody has it. I don't know anybody that's immune to those things, unless they're yeah. psychopaths, of course, and narcissists. <laughs> but, um, you know, when you're experiencing it yourself and you know what's going on, doesn't seem to make a great deal of difference in being able to produce anything of, of any quality at all. Mm-hmm. So the things that I'd written in those periods are basically garbage. And I just could not get into that zone. I could not produce what the quality that I normally can produce. What I tried to do, they just get screwed up and thrown in the bin and mm-hmm. I've got to redo it all. So fortunately that's coming back, but Good. Not knowing the cause of it, that's the worst thing. You know, and when you think that you're the cause of it, that's the worst bit. Because how do you come back from that? So, you know, you, when you when you look back at the, the process to go from uh, being a complete novice to producing a book that people actually enjoy, you know, when they, they send you emails saying, you know, loved your work, you're a genius, yeah. or, you know, things Wonderful things like that, and then you sit there and look. You look at the blank piece of paper, or you look at the crappy mind map that you've just drawn, and you just shake your head, screw it up, mm-hmm. and throw it in the bin. So yeah, it's 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 one would say tragic. 
you've been in contact with many authors who have also been suffering from this experience. And what have they said to you? They're, they're having the same experiences. We're basically mm-hmm. all pulling audiobooks out of Audible uh, and, and we're not producing. And if yeah. Audible have 80% of the market. So that means you're trying to generate that 80% from 20%. It's really hard. So what do you do? You spend between 2000 and 10000 having mm-hmm. a book professionally narrated and produced. On 20%, you're not going to make that money back. Those of us are sort of living on the edge anyway, then you just don't produce. Audible put up their, what they promised by the beginning of March, I guess by the end of March now, their new and improved sales board. Um, Have you had a look at yours? Because I'm in Australia, we're not allowed to join Audible Direct. We're we're in the antipodes. We're on the other side of the world. We're down under. So for some (laughs) strange reason, we're like lepers, you know, we have to stay on that island and and they'll ship uh, supplies over to us. So mm-hmm. I go through Findaway, and so I I, okay. I see Findaway's version of my sales. So I I can't actually see what's happening with Audible, but I'm reading everybody else's posts on the forum, mm-hmm. and they are shocking. You know, some of the posts are like, I had 330 sales today, and then the next post will be, well, that's disappeared. Now I've got zero. Uh, it, it's it's all over the place. It's mm-hmm. a it's a dog's breakfast. Mm. It is terrible. When when I read the conversations that authors are having with Audible support staff, it's a one-sided conversation. Hey, guys, will you help me with this? Yeah, sure. Why don't you contact the support finance team? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I've done that five times. You right, are right, the right. support finance team. It, it's, it's atrocious. I don't know what's hmm. going on with them. The whole idea was to get them to provide a more transparent document so that everybody could understand how their royalties are actually being generated. But what they've come up with actually doesn't address the main issue still. I and many, many other authors have no confidence in in what they, in in Audible whatsoever. It's a terrible state of affairs. Can we call it trauma? Ah, it, it is a form of trauma. You heard some of Bezos speaking at the top of the episode. What's your reaction to some of the things he talked about in terms of work-life harmony as opposed to work-life balance? His his idea being that he disagrees with the notion of work-life balance and that there should be some kind of integrated work-life harmony, and it's very much based on the kind of energy you bring into the room and that the room provides you. And, you know, it's like a feedback cycle of sorts. So what's your take on his ideas about this kind of harmony? Yeah, I was listening to that and thinking, number one, if he's applying to that to his staff, you know, the, the hundreds of thousands of people work for him, then then he has no idea whatsoever what they're going through. If he's applying that um, conversation to the providers that provide him with uh, the, the quality that, that we do, he has no idea. If he's applying that to his managers, great. You know, I want my managers to have a good work-home balance and harmony and all those beautiful keywords that he's using. Mm-hmm. But basically, you know, I find rhetoric stifling. I, I, I run away from it. I, I just like to see people just be honest. You know, this is that transparency thing that mm-hmm. you want happy stuff? Well, you have to actually work at that. You know, I studied... 
psychology. I studied organizational psychology. It's very simple. It's not rocket science to make people happy. You just be honest. Be honest with them. Give them a fair wage for for a fair effort. In terms of good old Jeff and his his brother, yeah, go for it, boys. But uh, words are words. I'm not the sort of person that that is impressed with people that spout words, but then what they actually do is is in the complete different direction. You know, that, that leaves me cold. Inside his company, it makes sense for him to try to promote that kind of environment, um, emotional well-being, let's say. At the same time, even staff members of his company, like the workers who right now in Alabama are trying to unionize, then you have Amazon's own drivers who are delivering their goods to the public, and they had their tips systematically taken away from them. They took them to court and they won 60 some odd million dollars. Do you think Jeff, Mr. Bezos, was applying that rhetoric to those workers as well, the people who are delivering products? <sighs> I don't know. <laughs> are they happier now? I'm sure, that, I'm sure they're happier now, right? <laughs> they're probably happier now, but at some point they weren't so happy. That's, <laughs> and that's so, right. So in terms of making amends for things, right, you pay out double-digit millions uh, because you stole money from them. You broke a contract with them saying that you weren't going to take their tips, and you did take their tips. So now you're giving their tips back to them, plus, I guess, you know, X amount <laughs> on top of that. I've, I've, if he wants to promote this idea of, you know, of, of harmony, it's like, well, you know, write them, write them checks. There's going to be a hell of a lot of more harmony in the world, thanks to you, right? <laughs> he, um, you know, he certainly, he certainly has the words for it, and he certainly talks it up. But, you know, it's the walk. If you can't walk the talk, then you're full of BS. I've, um, you know, as I was saying earlier, I've worked with the victims of psychopaths, you know, be it in a, in a um, domestic uh, violence relationship or workplace bullies. And I've done a lot, a lot of study. In fact, I've just written an article on workplace bullies and oh, psychopaths. Oh, wow, okay. And, uh, you know, do these people change? No, they don't change. Why would they want to mm. change? They have everything they want. You see the school bully. What does the school bully do? Well, I've got a peanut butter sandwich and you've got something 10 times better. What do I do? I mm. go and take it off you. Who's happy? The bully right. or the victim? The bully always ends up happier. And we see this in CEOs and you know, politicians and the people in positions of power that exercise their entitlement to take Without mm. remorse, they have no empathy. They don't care. We've, you know, we've seen it right through history. We don't have to go very far to see it. We see it on the news every day. How, how I call them bullies. It's a little bit nicer mm. than psychopaths. My my interpretation of psychopath might be a little bit different to people, to other people. But um, you know, when when there's no remorse, there's no empathy, and to deliberately harm people, what. What annoys me is when someone can do that to take those tips off these drivers that are already working at the lowest level of the basic wage that don't have time to go to the toilet, they've got to pee in a bottle. Right. What happens is when you take, take that tiny little bit of cream off their wages, you're affecting their family. You're affecting their children's ability to pay for a library, you know, to go to the library, their ability for them to buy... Christmas presents for the children to give them you know, profit, proper medical. You're not stealing from the worker. You're stealing from mm. their family. And that, to me, mm, that, that, that makes yeah. me mad. Aside from 
Audible Gate and the Equitable Rights Movement. What is your immediate way forward? I've had to look at the numbers because most authors in my situation, we're running pretty pretty close to the wind where you spend too much and then something has something's going to suffer. So what I've decided is I'll hold off on having the my next book professionally narrated because that's going to cost a fair bit of money. Um, but I'll I'll just keep writing, keep publishing. I've got I've got three books that I'm writing at the moment, slowly, very slowly, in bits and pieces. Uh, I've got a, a book to narrate, and because I can narrate it myself, that's not too bad. I've got to finish editing it first. So I've just got to get on with my projects for myself, but not stress and worry over it. And that's, I think that's what happens to all of us is that when we get in a bind, we find ourselves pushed into a corner. We, we do feel trapped and we start to panic. So it's like taking that step back and reminding myself that it's okay. You'll be fine. When I take that Taoist approach, get out the begging bowl, put on my robe and barefoot and go walking through Civic, might get a few pennies. I'd take my guitar and do some busking. There's <laughs> that's, a ju- that's a joke. That's I can a picture joke. it. I can picture it. I've never met you, but I can picture it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I guess also, you know, with that, have, have a good laugh, you know, have a good laugh. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. And it'll be okay. No Leastwood, thank you so very much for being with us today. Thanks, Jason. I'd also like to um, you know, thank all the people that I've worked with as, as clients, as students, and I still mentor people and I still have a few clients that I see today. You know, when people are honest with you about their personal problems, like I've experienced as a, as a psychologist, if people aren't honest with me, then it makes it very hard to help them. But I find that in my work that I do, in my books, in my articles, in my newsletters, in my um, YouTube channel and and here on this podcast I want to honor that you know I want to be able to say hey you guys are honest with me we should all be honest with each other but thank you so much Jason thanks again Noel well there you have it folks <laughs> what to say people put in their time their energy their creativity and yes their money and they're hoping for a return on these personal investments that is equitable fair and just And those of you authors, narrators, engineers, publishers, seasoned veterans, and newbies who are still scratching your heads at this megatech versus content creator cluster I invite you to take a look at your new and improved sales dashboard and ask yourself, does this add up? Is everything here that's supposed to be here? Or maybe read about Amazon's delivery drivers in their court case. Or maybe look into what's going on in Alabama. If Amazon and Audible are so awesome, then why are so many people so upset? So get your vaccine, wear your mask, keep your distance, stay healthy, and work hard to generate positive energy that's going to keep your work and life in perfect Bezos-branded harmony. Bye. If you'd like to read more about AudibleGate, please visit audiblegate.com, where you'll find further analysis into the growing situation with regular updates, including Susan May and Colleen Cross's original blog posts. 
And please share this podcast on all your social media with hashtag AudibleGate to keep the momentum going. This is a serious situation with potential legal and financial ramifications, and it's really important we reach as many people as possible. Thanks to Orchestralis, Serpent Sound Studios, and Summit for the music and quotes used in this episode. Written and directed by Jason Lasky and Jacob Daniels. Edited by Jacob Daniels. This is AudibleGate.